Good morning. Almost afternoon. I've heard that the 11:30 service is some of people some of people's favorite time to gather in this church. So I'm excited to be with you today. Uh, it's a joy, an honor to be standing in front of you, and I'm excited for what God has uh, through His Word today. We're in the middle of a month-long sermon series from a number of our pastors, and we're going to be diving into uh, a psalm today. Pastor Zeb gave us. The, um, the, the command to go dive into the Psalms and pick one and preach on it. So that's what we're going to do today. Um, we're going to be in uh, Psalm 145 today. And what a better week to dive into this Psalm and highlight specifically verse 4 than this week. This week. Uh, as you flip there, I want you to know how excited, how pumped up I am for tomorrow. Uh, it's truly going to be amazing. Anyone know what happens tomorrow? Say it louder. Kids camp. Kids camp is tomorrow. Um, it's no surprise when you walk into church and there's planets hanging from the ceiling and a giant rocket on stage that it's kids camp season. I'm pumped. It's going to be so cool. Hey, we have four days uh, coming up with day and night sessions uh, this, this upcoming week uh, with 796 kids coming to kids camp and 288 volunteers showing up. Yeah. Awesome, right? Man. The kids are going to be looking at the life of Jesus and how to shine his light. Um, and I'm so excited to see what God is going to do, how God is going to prepare this week in their hearts, in their lives, uh, for them to just know who Jesus is. And I am so excited for that. If there's anything I can be asking of you today, it's to be praying. Pray for the little hearts that are going to be walking through these doors tomorrow morning and tomorrow evening as they dive into God's Word, how to shine His light, experience just awesomeness. It's going to be so cool. Uh, but just be praying that God will work on their hearts and that they would see a need for a Savior. That's the biggest prayer request. Also be praying for the volunteers. Okay, we have 288 people coming in on their own time. And that is going to be an experience for them as well. And pray for patience, pray for stamina, and pray that they would have the words to say and speak when asked about Jesus. So in front of you in the seatbacks, hopefully most of you can see these wristbands, blue wristbands. If there are some around, grab one. They're the last ones that we have. They have names of kids uh, that are going to be attending kids camp. Will you commit with me to be praying for these kids? this week as they, as they embark on kids camp. So with that said, I'd like to open up today's uh, worship service with a moment of prayer and ask God to just take the week for us. Father, I come to you now just asking that you would prepare the hearts of these little kids coming into kids camp starting tomorrow, God. I pray that you would be known to them, that you would be what they're searching for, God, I pray that it would be clear for their need of a Savior in your son Jesus. I pray for all the volunteers that are going to be here spending their own time being here. I pray for endurance, stamina, patience. I pray that you would give every volunteer the appropriate words that are needed to speak the truth, the truth about your son, Jesus. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, as we get started today, I'm going to go down a controversial route. And um, some of you just popped up, Mr. Billy. I saw that. Like controversy? Well, I, w I won't tell the line too much, okay? 
but maybe for some of you it will be towing too far past the line. Four Stanley Cups, six league MVPs, six scoring titles over 32 seasons, seven Grammys, six diamond albums, 20 multi-platinum albums, 16 platinum albums, and six gold albums, 27 wins, one loss, 10 knockouts, seven of those wins by submission, six-time NBA champion, 14-time NBA All-Star, five-time MVP, 32,292 all-time points, and let's toss in the two Olympic gold medals. Seven-time Super Bowl champion, five-time Super Bowl MVP, three-time NFL MVP, 89,214 passing yards with a 97.2 overall passer rating. And this one is sure to divide the house, so bear with me. 49 total school national championships. From the great Gordie Howe owning the ice of the NHL, to the Beatles ruling the music industry, to John Jones crushing the octagon in UFC, to the controversial Jordan is the best basketball player in NBA history. Yes, a lot of people in the last service were pumped about that one. To the undisputed best football player of all time in Tom Brady. And, fi and finally, to the greatest college teams in college history in the University of North Carolina. So Sorry, Duke and NC State. You guys only had 21 combined national championships. So please don't throw anything at me. I'm just the messenger today, okay? I'm just the messenger. All right, all of these people and or teams have been labeled in our society as the greatest of all time, or newer terminology, the GOAT, right? Our society has normalized the elevation of people or things above the rightful owner of the name greatest of all time, the Almighty God. Today I'm excited to dive into this psalm with you because I think David has the perfect, the perfect perspective of who God is and how great he really is. A few notes to add about this psalm. This is the last psalm recorded by David. His focus is on praising God and calling his people to praise the Lord. And I would align with our dear friend Charles Spurgeon on this when he says, it is not for any of us, any one of us to render David's praise. For David only could do that. But we may take David's psalm as a model and aim at making our own personal adoration as much like it as possible. We shall be long before we equal our model. Let each Christian reader present his own praise unto the Lord and call it by his own name. What a wealth of varied praise will thus be presented through Christ Jesus. So today, let's use this as a model and look to make our own praise and adoration unique and fitting for each believer here. And I think we often think of praise as like something we're going to go do in the future, like we're going to go to church and praise uh, and sing praise songs and things like that, but we've praised before, we will praise today, and we will praise tomorrow. Spurgeon also says praise is for all tenses. So we've got to be praising God on high all the time. So with that, will you stand with me for the reading of God's Word today? We'll be reading Psalm 145, verse 1 through 13. David says this, 
I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness, forth the fame of your abundant goodness, and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. This is the word of the Lord and you may be seated. So I'd like to examine this text in a unique way today and that's to look towards the back end of the verses we just read and work our way to the top and look at why we ought to praise to a how-to praise type of method. So let's check out why God is worthy of our praise. Why are we to extol him daily? David here, he's laser-focused on some of God's characteristics and how the glory of God's name and who he is is ever-present in and through his kingdom. I find it, I think we should find it, super humbling like, who are we to even think about these characteristics of God and to proclaim them? Us, just mere sinful, fallen humans. Only by the grace and love of Jesus do we have the opportunity to proclaim these characteristics. But these characteristics of God are vital to understanding who he is and why he is so great. From verse 7 through 12, we see these Characteristics abundant of goodness, righteous, gracious, merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. He is good and he is powerful. This list for sure is not all encompassing, but David certainly knows who he is praising when he wakes up every day. The question I have for you is do you look to God? as having all of these qualities. Is this the character of the God you worship? How often do we praise God for who he is? So those are three heavy questions for us today. So I ask, what do you, what do you say produces an abundance of goodness in your life? Is it your job? Is it the home you live in? The car you drive? Is it your bank account? Or are you giving God the credit for pouring out his abundant goodness on your life? Yes, all of those things, don't get me wrong, all of those things are good things. Those are blessings from God. But do we find our, our genuine love for goodness found in him, in him alone? Or is it in all the things and all the stuff that we have? Think about that one. 
As we move on to verse 7, we see this characteristic of his righteousness and singing aloud of it. So we are to praise him because he is faithful and just. The word righteous in Old Testament Hebrew and New Testament Greek have the same, would, would have the same root as the word justice, okay? We know that in us alone, we will never be justified to God because of our sins. But because of his amazing faithfulness in sending his own son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross for our sins, we are now justified through Jesus when we simply believe and receive the imputed righteousness of Christ and the forgiveness of sins through that faith in him. So when we think of righteousness and praising God for that, we got to look at what God has done for us in the sacrifice of his own son. How could we possibly do anything less than give him all the praise that we've got? Let's jump to verse 8. David says that the Lord is gracious and merciful. He is slow to anger. How many parents are in the room today? You know where I'm going with this. How many people have siblings? Good amount of you. How many people have a coworker? Being slow to anger is not an easy thing to accomplish. Can we all agree that we're sinful, right? And those around us can get on our nerves sometimes? Yeah? Look, I've got, I've got four kids, okay? One who's going to remain nameless. She's about to be a sixth grader. And she is about to go through some drastic emotional changes that I'm not ready for, okay? Any advice would be, would be greatly appreciated. I also have a very, very energetic seven-year-old boy who has so many things to say at 6.50 in the morning. <laughs> Being slow to anger is not something that comes easy. I love my kids so much, but there are sometimes things that are a lot to handle. And my selfishness kicks right in. Anyone with me on that? Yeah. But man, I'm so grateful that my God is so gracious to me and merciful and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love when I need to talk to him at all hours of the day, all hours of the night, when my attitude and my emotions get the best of me, lead me down a path that is not honoring to him. Man, he is full of grace. So cool. So we need to be quick to acknowledge God for being so gracious to us. Hey, have you ever watched any of those strongest man competitions? Any of you? See some power lifters? My Instagram feed has been taken over by the algorithm. It happens. Just click on it once, and now I see a bunch of dudes squatting like 700 pounds, deadlifting so much weight that my mind is just blown over it. Some of these pro athletes that are bench pressing in the combine, in the NFL combine, bench pressing three times their own body weight. Back when I used to lift weights, I thought putting up 295 on the bench press was something cool. Those guys make it seem like a, they're pushing up a Q-tip, okay? These guys are massive. But when we think of God and his power and his might, speak this world into existence. To place the planets and the stars and the sky and the galaxies, 
Stars like the sun, to even think that there's a bigger sun than the sun, and then a bigger sun than that sun. Isn't that crazy to think about? It's so much, so much that my mind just can't comprehend. To know that he made man from dust of the earth, and then made woman from the rib of that man. That's cool. How, how about this for power? Exodus 14, 21 through 22 says this. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Praise God for his might and his power. What about to see his healing power? I think of so many people within our midst, within this church over the last couple of years even. I think of Big John that, I don't know if he's here today, but Pastor Zeb has brought him up on stage to even pray over him. Cancer-free. Praise God. Think about baby James Walker given a 1% chance of survival. 1%. But when you have a God as powerful and as mighty as our God, that 1% turns into a 100% chance of survival. Amen. Catherine and Mitch, uh, James's parents, have a friend who told them that we serve a God of the 1%. Today, baby James, he's at home with his twin brother, Jonathan. Yeah. Isn't that awesome to think about? He's going to grow up with Jonathan, and his parents will have two boys that will never not be reminded of the power and the might of the everlasting God. The list goes on and on, and we need to acknowledge that power. We need to sing of that power and praise the Almighty God for what He has done and what He is going to do. But church, today I'd be failing, failing you in my role as your kid's pastor, if I didn't acknowledge the job that we have. This job, it lies within verse 4 of Psalm 145. It says, One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. So if you're under the sound of my voice today, you've got a job. Whether you are a parent, grandparent, someone who desires to be a parent, or someone who just flat out loves kids. You have a job. You have a mission. And that is to commend the works of God to declare his mighty acts to the next generation. Warren Wiersbe, he says this, one of the important obligations of the older generation is to pass on to the younger generation the truth about the Lord. Or not, Every local church is one generation short of extinction. Let me read that again so it sinks in. Whether we admit it or not, every local church is one generation short of extinction. So today I want to educate you on some information for a minute so you can grasp the urgency in proclaiming the greatness of God to the next generation so that extinction that Wearsby is talking about never happens, at least never here at Apex Baptist Church. 
And I preface this with saying that only God can save. You need to understand that only God can save. We can't save our kids. That's God's work to do. But we are to share with him, with them. We are to share with them and introduce them to him and plant those seeds so that he can do his thing. With that said, buckle up, because some of these stats have brought me to literal tears just thinking about my own kids, thinking about the 796 kids that are about to walk through these doors tomorrow. Man, it's, it's weighty stuff. So according to a few research groups, one named Barna and the other a cooperative election group out of Harvard University, when looking at Gen Z, okay, so this is kids born about 1996 to 2010. Out of the Harvard study, when polling Gen Zers, they found that 49% either say they are atheist, someone who flat out believes there is no God, agnostic, who neither believes or disbelieves in a higher power or just doesn't believe in anything in particular. Half of our next generation does not believe in God. That's one out of every two. And if you're anything like me back in grade school, that's a big fat F on my report card. We are failing. 43%, almost half of Gen Z considers happiness in life is through financial success. 43%. 51 say their ultimate goal in life, guess what? It's happiness. So those who say their ultimate goal in, is happiness will most likely go to the financial success to find that happiness. Only 34%, 34% of Gen Z says that religion is very important to their identity of self. Professional and educational achievement and their hobbies come in first and second on that list. 34%. Studies have shown that Gen Z will and has disconnected with the church between 10th and 12th grade. So I want to address the students in this room today. You're awesome, and God loves you. You have a generation that's coming up on your heels, that adores you, that they look up to you for just being here, for just serving within kids' ministry, for serving at kids' camp. You being here screams louder than anything to them to say that faith in God is important So that generation I'm going to speak of, they call it Gen Alpha. Kids born from about 2010 to 2025. So all those kids down that hallway, birth through fifth grade right now. Studies and some research says that they will start to disengage from church between fourth and fifth grade. What's that say? We're going backwards, not in the, not in the right direction. If you think that's eye-opening, how about the prediction that 44% of this generation will find zero value in the concept of marriage? Almost 50% of our kids, your grandbabies, 50% will not want to get married. 
Are we awake yet, church? Are we awake yet? If we are not the ones proclaiming the greatness of God to the next generation, society will pull them in. Someone else will be telling them what or who they should be worshiping. Let me say that again. If we are not the ones proclaiming the greatness of God to the next generation, society will pull them in. They will be telling them who or what to worship. It's often that we hear about these star athletes and the lifestyles and the influence of people like LeBron James of the Lakers or Travis Kelsey of the Kansas City Chiefs. These pop singers like Taylor Swift, Beyonce, Justin Bieber. Is this what we want? Are these the people we want forming the minds of our children? Or are we exclaiming the greatness of our God to our children? Are we pouring into them and speaking the truth of God's word into them as much as society is pouring into them? Dr. Tony Evans, he challenges us in this way. He says, are you likewise committed to exalting God so that his kingdom expands? Do you regularly teach your children about the Lord? Do you share the gospel in your personal testimony with unbelievers in the, your circle of influence? Are you discipling others so that the church may mature in Christ? Some solid questioning right there. I'm in full agreement with Dr. Evans, and if you know me, you know I like to go a step further. Okay, so I'm going to go a step further today. Hope you don't mind. Church, are we counting the hour that our kids are in kids' ministry under somebody else's watch enough? Are we hoping that sending them to a Christian school is enough? Are we okay sending them to kids' camp for four days and hoping that they mature in Christ? Is that enough? Or are we prepared for battle? Are we prepared for the battle against the, the evil forces of this world? To raise our kids to know the might and the power of the everlasting God. This is a daily honor that we have, a privilege that we have, and a huge responsibility that we have. So how do we do this? Honestly, it starts with you and it starts with me. It starts with your personal praise of God. That personal praise needs to be seen by your kids and grandkids. Whether you serve in our kids' ministry which, by the way, we can always use more volunteers. Okay, just throwing that out there. Or in your schools where you teach, or when you have your play dates with your kids and other friends. It needs to be talked about in your homes. It needs to be a constant, more than baseball practice, more than soccer games, video games, lacrosse, or football games. It's a big challenge right there. David writes in verse 1 and 2, I will extol, that word extol for us is praise. I will praise, he says, you my God and my King and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. So we need to acknowledge God as our God and King. 
Are we quick to surrender all of our other gods in life? Are we willing to lay down our desires and take ourselves off that Hall of Fame pedestal and acknowledge and praise God for who he is and what he's done? I'm not just talking about for a week or two or maybe the the average of the 1.4 times that a person comes to church. That's not what David is saying here. This is forever. This is all the time. David says that God's kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, verse 13. And his kingdom and dominion endures throughout all generations. So get ready, guys. God isn't going anywhere. He wants our praise. He deserves that praise today, tomorrow, from the next generation and their next generation. Church, I want to get real with you today. We live in a society, in a day of the church where worship has become a box that we check in our week and or our month. Where we come and sing a a few cool songs, listen to a guy up on stage who feels super unworthy to be standing in front of you. But without acknowledging God's righteousness through our worship and embracing and soaking up his word and exalting him for his righteousness, his power, his mercy, his steadfast love, are we truly worshiping? Yes, this may be coming off as harsh and strong today, but I don't want to shy away from who our God is and what he deserves from us. I'm reminded of the song by Chris Tomlin. It goes like this. How great is our God. Sing with me. How great is our God. And all will see how great, how great is our God. My wife will tell you that I don't have the best voice. Okay, that's for sure. But there are times where I tell her, I don't care. I don't care. Because my God hears my worship to him as a joyful noise. As long as my heart is geared in such a way to show him honor and glory, to respect his name, and to truly worship him, I'm going to sing. So I challenge you today, in a few minutes, sing with me. How great is our God. I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know the struggles, the guilt, the pain that you may be walking through. Or maybe it's none of that and you're just super pumped to be here and to sing a joyful noise today. That's awesome too. But the challenge is, don't just check a box. No matter what circumstances you may be facing today, honor him with your worship and praise every day. Make it known to the next generation every chance you get. Make your praise known that you worship the greatest of all time. For the believer in here today, what a challenge. To wake up daily and the first thought, the first action is to give praise to God. For those in this room today who may be on the fence, 
questioning this great God, questioning his son Jesus. He is worthy of your praise too. Why, you ask? Because he has given you a way to know him. Before you were formed, he knew you. The Bible says that. Before you were formed, he knew you. And he has given you the greatest gift of all time in his son, Jesus. Accept him and his grace. Acknowledge and confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. The Bible says you will be saved. If there are questions around that, questions around who Jesus is, and you've got those questions, questions about how great and mighty this God is, I'd be happy to talk with you after service. A number of our pastors will be outside too, ready for your questions, ready to talk with you about Jesus. But church, let's leave this place today not just checking a box and saying, we went to church this week or this month. Let's leave today committing together that we have an awesome God. We have an awesome God. An awesome God who deserves our praise. An awesome God whose name is worthy to be shared from generation to generation. So let's give him what he deserves. Let's give him everything we have. So let's stand together and worship him with all we've got.